the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we're convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Today we're going to be looking at the second Sunday in Advent at um, Matthew chapter 2. So if you want to grab a Bible in front of you and follow along. And it starts out... Following chapter 1, we have this genealogy of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, and this understanding that has happened of Joseph, of exactly what has happened um, to Mary, that this is a divine work of God. And then we are introduced into where Christ is in this ordinary town, this ordinary place, Bethlehem. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, It's during the time of King Herod, this magi, this collection of of people come from the east um, into this ordinary town. And like I said, Bethlehem could be equated maybe more like Beaverton or maybe a little more obscure like Banks. So we're not talking about this place that is commonly known or well known. It's just, like I said, an ordinary place. And Matthew chapter 2 puts it on the map. It starts with a conversation as the Magi from the East come and they they enter into Jerusalem and they say, we've come to see this king. We saw his star and now we've come to worship this king, the king of the Jews. And so they come and they ask Herod through this inquiring question, where might we find this one that we want to worship? The star has been inviting them and drawn them to talk to this kind of person in power. And the Magi are these astrologers um, who out have been learned men, as it were, and they've followed this interpretation. They've come to Jerusalem, and they've come from this place of Babylonia in order to inquire. And they come with sufficient enough resource to be able to make this trek across desert land. They probably come with a great entourage and they come with enough clout to be able to get kind of an audience with Herod, who is the powerful person in this region. So it's not this small thing. It's this entourage of people who, like I had said, have enough clout to get an audience with the king. And they pose this question to Herod. If you look with me at chapter, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, When he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. They hear the answer from these scribes and priests of who this king is known to be. Herod has no idea. So he calls in those who are the learned people of of the Jews and he calls them in and he says, who is the one that these people are talking about? Do we have any knowledge of this? And the scribes and the teachers say, yeah, It's this king that our prophets have always said is going to come. 
And he's going to break in as a shepherd. He's going to bring a different sort of kingdom. One that rules in justice. One that rules with peace. And one that does away with oppression. And this would be a bit of a critique on Herod. Because in the writings of Josephus, he's known as kind of a paranoid king. He leads out of fear and he leads with fear. He's controlling and he's cruel. And so Herod and the people with him are troubled when they hear of this king. It says it in the text that they're troubled. And you kind of imagine at this point that, the, um, that these magi who are coming, that they're a little confused. That they come to this political and historically political and religious power place where they think they might find this king who is going to be born. The one who comes in peace and brings liberty and justice. And the people don't actually know who he is. But these writings say that he'd be found born in Bethlehem. But I think if you were them, you'd be like, dude, was this a complete waste of time? Like we got our total entourage and we get here and they're all, huh? It's like this missed question mark. But they carry on kind of moving and moving towards the one that they've been seeking. The one that this star has invited them to go looking for. So they leave Jerusalem and they go on to the small town of Bethlehem. They're beckoned by the light of the star. We'll pick it up again in verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And you can imagine, it says that they were filled with great joy. I love the way that little girl read the scriptures this morning. The sense of joy that she expressed that was the reality in these ordinary everyday lives as the king broke in. And so as their journey, the star reappears and they are filled with joy and then they see the child. And their response to this child is to present themselves to him. They kneel in worship and adoration, knowing the significance that this one brings with his coming. They present themselves to him, and then they present these luxurious gifts. Gifts of gold, and of incense, and of myrrh. Gifts that speak of value, and of honor. Gifts that are fit for a king. They bring themselves and they bring their gifts. And they worship this king, this Christ, who has been born in Bethlehem, an ordinary town. They found the one that they were seeking after. And sometimes when I think we hear these Advent stories, um, we hear them every year, those of us who have heard these stories over and over again. And it's almost like they can hearken us to C.S. Lewis and this kind of mysterious but not really real reality. Yeah, there was these three magi or kings and they came and it can get monotonous. 
You know, we're running around at Christmas time and celebrating or maybe consuming, maybe a bit of both. And it's almost like this story can feel separate from us. It can feel far away. We um, listen to the carols that are sung over the airwaves in our cars, in the shops. And I have to say that there is one song that when I hear it, it stops me in my tracks. It's as though the reality of what has happened actually kind of speaks in and causes a deep stillness. And many of you will know the song. Oh, holy night. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. And yonder breaks a new morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. It was a holy night. It was the divine presence of God made incarnate in the Christ child. And in him and with him and his reign changes everything. The reality of justice and of peace and of goodness and of transformation in that ordinary town of Bethlehem. God is with us. And as Gary read this morning, our world is not quite as ordinary as we think. It has been visited by God, Emmanuel. He is here and he promises that every one of us, like Lucy, who seeks him will find. To everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. It's an invitation that was given to the Magi was given, in fact, to Herod and the people of Jerusalem, but they didn't follow that invitation. And it's an invitation given to you and I this morning as we come into this place and gather and remember the advent, the presence of that holy night and the divine light of Christ coming into our world. And I don't know why you came to church this morning or why you came here. I don't know what you're looking for. Sometimes we're drawn to Christ by restlessness. Sometimes by inquiry or pain. Sometimes by wonder. And if we seek him, he will be found. As they sought him and found him, and as we seek him, he will be found. And he shows up in our ordinary, everyday lives. In the ways that we move around this city, he shows up. And Josh Butler has been um, developing relationships with people in Cambodia. He shows up for us here in, in the U.S., He shows up for me and my family in the UK. And as Josh has found, as he's gone back and forth, taking our Advent offerings to Cambodia, 
the reality that Christ is showing up in the ordinary, everyday lives of the folks that we have come to know there. And as we've taken these gifts, these tangible gifts every year into this community, this last trip that Josh wanted to take was a trip that was relational. Let's get to know these folks that we have been partnering with over the last couple of years. So he took with him a group of storytellers and a group of artists and photographers. And so we're going to hear now one of the stories of how this, in these ordinary lives, as people are seeking them, Christ is showing up. Meet Shrek Ron from Cambodia, a humble man with a shy smile, pretty ordinary looking, and yet his story is anything but ordinary. I left home when I was 10, he says, to study with the monks at a Buddhist pagoda. And he stayed there until he graduated high school to become a teacher. Soon he landed a job at a public school near a slum called Andong, the same place our partner Pastor Abraham works. A place of harsh realities, a community of 9,000 people forcibly displaced into an empty field, left with absolutely nothing. And it was here that Shrek Ron would first meet Jesus in the unexpected ordinary of a next-door slum. I'd heard of Pastor Abraham, he says, and I knew he needed teachers. So I offered to start teaching there part-time. I would receive gas money and sometimes a little rice as payment. And he would often go by Pastor Abraham's compound on Sundays and would hear singing. I wondered what it was all about, he said. Who were they worshipping? One Sunday, I decided to find out. That first visit, I heard Pastor Abraham share the story of Jesus healing the bleeding woman. She'd been sick for years, just like me. He raises his hand and points to his chest. Suffering years of debilitating chest pain, he'd been unable to lift his arm to drink even a glass of water. The doctors didn't know what was wrong. They gave me medication, but nothing worked. Not even the local monks could help. And yet boosted by this story he'd just heard, he decided to pray to the great physician. I didn't really think it was going to work, he says. And yet almost immediately the pain began to recede from my arm and chest. But I waited. I wanted to make sure it was real. After a month, he went back to his doctor who asked, Who healed you? What doctor did you go to? When I told him it was Jesus, he didn't believe me, but he also couldn't explain what had happened either. And today, Shrek Ron raises his hand in praise. But it didn't stop there. If this God cared for his physical well-being, he wondered, would he care about his finances too? And so he decided to pray for a salary for himself and the other teachers who taught the vulnerable children of Andong so that the school could grow and thrive. Three days later, a donation arrived, specifically earmarked for the running of the school. Again, he was shocked. Jesus heard him. And so he brought the community together to pray. We needed roofs badly, he said, to protect us during the rainy season. We came together crying out to God to provide material before the floods came. A week later, a pastor from a church called Imago Dei arrived with a donation through Advent Conspiracy specifically to provide roofing materials. Shrek Ron saw no point in stopping now. Our school was too small for all the students. We needed a bigger building. So we prayed, 
God, please provide for us. Let our school flourish. Within a month, they'd been given a property with a new building. So we prayed for clean water so our children would stop getting sick and our families could finally be healthy again. After a few months, again through Advent conspiracy, a water system was put in place for exactly that. And now, Shrekron says, clean water is piped directly into each of our homes. Today, Shrekron is convinced of God's faithfulness in the small and big things. And he's also convinced that God was teaching him perseverance and trust during those early years. He was healed almost instantly the first time he prayed. And yet the salary, the new school, the roofs, the clean water, each of these requests took slightly longer to be answered. But he and the community were learning how to wait on God's timing. Their next prayer would take years. One of Andong's greatest challenges was unemployment. Without jobs, the community would collapse. So they prayed, God, please bring us jobs. We cannot survive without them. For two long years, nothing happened. And then, one day, a Taiwanese company built a factory close by. Surely this was God's answer. And however, when they applied for jobs, the community members were told, we only hire pretty women, not ugly slum women. They were crushed, confused and heartbroken. They cried out to God. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to Shrek Ron or the community, there was a woman in Canada who knew Pastor Abraham. She'd heard that her uncle in Taiwan had recently opened a factory in Cambodia. She wondered if the factory was anywhere near Andong. Amazingly enough, it was the very same factory. She immediately called her uncle, explaining that she knew Pastor Abraham and that his community badly needed jobs. Not long after, Pastor Abraham received an unexpected phone call from him. The factory owner asked, does anyone in Andong need a job? We do, he replied, but your factory manager won't hire us. Don't worry, he assured Abraham. I will make sure anyone from Andong who wants a job will be hired. And now 500 people have good paying jobs just down the road from the slum. Shrek Ron and his community have cried out and seen God show up in roofs and clean water in a school building in the tangible. And the people of Andong continue to call to the one who always hears them, expecting God to show up. It's, uh, it's humbling as, as you hear those stories. And we, we have, uh, like this cool graphic, we, we've been people who have just been seeking Christ, right? How do we worship Christ more? How do we get into the story? And as we have sought Christ, Christ has in turn called us to give ourselves away and connected us to other people seeking Christ. When we, when we started this whole Advent thing, we had no idea that we would be connected to, to brothers and sisters around the world. And do you realize that you are the answer to his prayers? Right? Isn't that a humbling place to be? Because you were willing to give yourself to God, to open the wardrobe, to seek him, 
and to walk into this ordinary miracle of what it means to be the people of God. God has allowed us to participate with someone who is opening the wardrobe in Cambodia and peeking through and wondering if God would show up and provide a miracle. And then Josh Josh Butler, who is our designated sort of uh, world traveler, who carries that gift with him from us to them in the name of Jesus, gets to show up and put roofs and clean water and education. It's just been this amazing journey for us as we have sought Christ together. I'm humbled by it. I hope you're humbled by it. It is the gift of participation in the miracle of finding God in ordinary and unseen places. I want to show you a little bit of what we're going to participate in this year uh, and talk a little bit of what we've done in the last couple years. Pastor Abraham has an opportunity to plant the first church ever in a Khmer Rouge village named Oderman Shea. And the Khmer Rouge were responsible for the genocide years ago. And then they have been sort of ostracized and left out. And so in the name of pronouncing forgiveness, he's coming to plant his church in a village where now that older generation has children and and, uh, grandchildren who are growing up in poverty and sickness with a lack of education. In the name of Christ, pronouncing forgiveness, just like he has done to you and I. Uh, He's coming in along the border of Thai land and... Um, there's never been a church there, so this is the first ever. But what's beautiful about Pastor Abraham and what's so holistic about the gospel that we preach together is that he's not just showing up to sort of build a pulpit and preach. He first shows up with water and with education so that he could show that this Christ that we proclaim cares about the tangible needs as well as your spiritual needs. Let me show you a couple pictures This is a minefield, and it was a minefield near their village where uh, obviously the fear that kids would ever go in there uh, because it was loaded with mines from the war. They came through and cleared all of that out, and then we were able to participate to help uh, build this school. We're now where children were afraid to walk, right? They go, and 400 kids are educated there from villages all around the area. As that continues to grow, there is a vision to expand it, to expand the education, to expand teachers. And your gifts to Jesus at Christmas have gone to do this very thing. We're also going to be bringing clean water. Right now, this is the water source. Uh, You can imagine every day waking up and filling a bucket with that and coming into to give it to your kids, to your family. Kids are dying of diarrhea, like just basic stuff that could be solved, but the water isn't clean. So we have done clean water. You saw the pictures of that before. Now we're going to provide clean water for 500 families, which is thousands of people, and we get to do that this year. And so again, a year in which we seek Christ, Um, 
where we come and we open the wardrobe and we say, what would it look like if I could peek in, if I could get my life in, if I could raise my hand like Shekron and say, God, touch my life. And then that in turn moves us into this place where we participate in the miracle. That the wise men who sought Christ uh, Shrekron who sought Christ, Pastor Abraham who sought Christ is connected to us uh, thousands of miles and thousands of years that may separate us, but we're still coming to seek the ordinary miracle of a woman with a child. But the miracle is that child is God who has come to save us and to set us free. That child, that king with a new rule of peace and justice and equity and freedom would grow to give that body that was incarnate to be broken, his blood to be shed so that his life could be given. Today we continue to seek him, right? Not just to participate in the, in the prayers and the miracles that God wants to do around the world, but, but to participate in the miracle that he wants to do in you. So today there are people at the doors ready to pray for you. People who will walk with you as you open the door and you raise your hand and you say, God, touch my life in Jesus. And scripture's promise is that when you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. We saw the stories of that, whether it was wise men 2,000 years ago or modern-day people who just need clean water. If you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. So the question that we're invited into as we pull the door of the wardrobe open is will you peek in and will you look and will you seek him? Let's pray. Jesus, this morning we are grateful to participate in the ordinariness uh, of miracle. To, to come and to once again taste this bread and this wine that is here every week, these ordinary symbols that point to a miraculous salvation and incarnation, a miraculous gift of your son. We, we, we come and we give ordinary money to you every Christmas and you do miraculous things with it. You answer prayers and you heal people's lives and their souls. And so we come today, God, and we're grateful that in our seeking of you, you've not only allowed us to find you, but to find brothers and sisters that we, we love. And today, God, we come once again to seek, to, to open that door, to peek in and to to, to let our hearts be captured by the beauty and the miracle that is Jesus Christ. So would you, by your spirit, give us the courage and the grace to move forward, to give us the boldness to raise our hand and pray big prayers 
because you are the God who hears and sees and allows himself to be found. And pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you are interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.imagodaycommunity.com.